0: Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host Brent Weber. On today's episode you'll be listening to PSY 243 Human Growth and Development with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Welcome to Unit 5 in Psychology 243 Human Growth and Development. In this unit we're going to look at the area of young adulthood. So after the early 20s, maybe early thirties, and we're going to look at the physical, cognitive, and personality development in young adulthood and relationships that occur during this time. In text web, we're looking at chapter 10, becoming an adult, physical, cognitive, and personality development in young adulthood. A term that's used now is referred to as emerging adulthood, and, um, and so, This is that time where you're not quite a teenager anymore, but maybe you're not quite an independent adult. And so they're trying to understand what are the distinctions or what, you know, are the evidence of someone being able to take on these new responsibilities and becoming adult. And some societies use rituals where they actually, most of these are occurred in adolescence where they have a clear ceremony that has a transition from adolescence to emerging adulthood. But in Western cultures, such as the United States, we really don't have that uh, so much. The, um, now, during this time, the last part of our body that is going to reach full development occurs. This is our prefrontal cortex, right behind your forehead, and so we don't physically uh, reach maturity until we're about twenty-four, twenty-five, and uh, this is again the last part of our uh, human development when we've uh, we've achieved this goal. And during this time, this is where we start to do better with making decisions. We uh, uh, we've make Understand responsibility a lot better. Um, This is an age where you see about 24 25 drug use decreases, car accidents decreases, crime decreases because of this development of the prefrontal cortex. Um, During this time, their young adults are going into this area of intimacy versus isolation. They're uh, they're trying to understand, you know, do they have a connection with others or not? About 70% of high school students continue their education in some form to post-secondary, whether uh, college, university, or community college. Um, During this time, they're experiencing transitions in thinking. Um, Adult students, um, college students, like many of you are, tend to focus on their academic programs, but as you know, have to also balance family, work, other responsibilities going on, as opposed to uh, the traditional students where usually they're on a campus and they're just focusing mainly on their academics and they have some uh, work or athletic activities as well. Um, many of ab- emerging adults obtain career or job training as a way to further their education without obtaining a college degree. There's possibilities now of getting a degree in um, in computer coding or computer science that uh, where you're you don't necessarily have to have a college degree but you're learning a specific skill. At this time in early adlo- uh, emerging adulthood in Kind of mid 20s is to have really at your physical peak. This is a time when your strength is strongest, your muscle development, your coordination, dexterity, and sen- sensory acuity. And um, so this is the peak time. And then when you get to be middle aged, they start to decline. Um, and it, this time we're usually at our peak of our physical health, um, meaning that. Death from illnesses, disease, are relatively rare during this time, especially during the twenties. However, death does occur, and that's usually because of accidents of some sort. Um, also, homicide or violence can be major sources. Um, if you lacking access to health care, it can or involvement, you know, due to poverty or whatever situations that can have an impact on good health. In ad- and during this emerging adulthood, smoking is the single biggest contributor to health problems. It can cause different forms of cancer, respiratory, cardiovascular disease, and, um, but it's, um, it can be stopped, it can be treated, and uh, quitting smoking does have health benefits. Drinking alcohol um, usually is, um, if it's moderation, there's not very many health risks, but if it's what we refer to as binge drinking, where there's lots of alcohol consumed in a short amount of time, um, that can have a real negative effect on on health. It can be, um, we find that this is associated with both physical illness, but also um, it can be, related to, you know, crime or different activity, you know, things, and social activities. So, um, unfortunately, a lot of college campuses are environments where binge drinking occurs. The three most important uh, factors in health are socioeconomic status, ethnicity, and education. So, if poverty is the most important, factor in determining whether someone has good health or not. And usually it's because of the limitations due to health care. If you lived in a, a more impoverished area, there may not be uh, physicians available to you or if you don't have insurance that could prevent you from going there uh, receiving treatment. The um, <clears throat> Even if you have People from different races, different cultures. Uh, poverty seems to be the one factor that uh, affects all areas, all parts of society regarding health care. Usually people who obtain higher education, such as yourselves, usually obtain better health because their jobs provide them with better health care. More education leads usually to better income and able to do things that uh, will promote health. Um, During this time of emerging adulthood, there's lots of different theories about uh, uh, cognitive development. And so, usually at this time, you've reached your peak about your abilities and your senses and stuff, but you also have the ability to go in different directions and learn new things. We call this plasticity, and um, and so you're able to uh, start it. Maybe you decided to go into a, a field that you didn't really train much for in college and your your jobs provided you or new opportunities are risen, and um, but you've got a college degree, but you're learning an, a new type of work. That's uh, most people can do this because of the plasticity in our brains. Um, and so we're able to achieve these goals. Different types of intelligence are referred to, uh, two main types, is fluid and crystallized. Fluid intelligence really consists of those abilities that make people flexible, make people adaptive thinkers. You know, our society changes so quickly and maybe your job requires you to take on new responsibilities and f- fluid intelligence is that ability to be put in a new situation and being able to adapt to it well. Crystallized intelligence reflects the knowledge that you gain through experience. So as you um, you get more uh, time involved in your job or whatever the career you have, you learn more and more and more. And uh, so your crystallized intelligence can continue to increase during your whole lifetime. Your fluid intelligence tends to um, tends to diminish as you get to be uh, middle-aged. Post-formal thought is characterized that um, a recognition that sometimes truth can be in a different situation, that sometimes uh, one rule doesn't apply to every situation. Um, The, um, you know, that you may have to take some individual, you know, ideas into consideration when you're looking at trying to resolve a conflict or, or come up with a problem to a new situation. Um, the uh, understanding that you may come up with, a, you know, a, a result for a, uh, a situation at work or home, but it has to be realistic. It has to be something you could actually do. That becomes more important during this time than it was in your previous years because you could be more creative and come up with things. But now, if you've got to spend money to come up with a solution or, you know, it involves uh, another person in your life, you have to become more realistic in that Um, and to take time to reflect and and not just come out with your first reaction to try to solve a problem. Usually, our, our logic and our emotions tend to unite more during this age, uh, emerging, adolescent, emerging adulthood and uh, middle age, and we're able to use both of these skills and uh, to find that there's value in both. Emotional intelligence is really that ability to recognize and correctly identify uh, our own needs and emotions and another needs and emotions. It's um, it's able to understand if you enter a new job, you know what's the what do you need to be successful, in that you know who are the people that you need to interact with, and what's the proper behavior in staff meetings and other things like that. Um, during this time, young adults tend to create what they call a lifespan construct that tends to have the sense of, unified sense of the past, present, and future. Um, It's sort of like, these are the things I've done so far, you know, my goal, my education, my, you know, whatever you've done in the past. And you see yourself in a situation where you can kind of look ahead and see what you want to do and what you want to be and kind of create a story for yourself. Chapter 11, we're going to look at forming relationships in young and middle adulthood. People tend to have more friends during young adulthood than any other period of their life, Um, whether it's face-to-face or virtual. um, Usually, they're able to find friendships when you're able to have self-disclosure. You know, you're able to share your thoughts, your feelings with one another. You have mutual interests. A lot of times this is a period where um, singles can get together and have an interest in whatever, you know, movies or running or whatever they have, restaurants, and, and come together. Um, as a whole, men tend to have fewer close friends and base them more on shared activity. Women tend to have more close friends than men and base them more on emotional sharing. And uh, think back to that a few units ago. We talked about how girls tend to be better at verbal skills this, uh, than boys. It tends to go into this period of life as well as they share their thoughts and feelings. When, as you're looking at relationships, passion, intimacy, commitment are the really the key components to what we define as love. Um, when you're trying to f- select a mate, you're trying to understand does this person share the same values I have, the same goals, Do they have the same interests? Um, there are, you know, what, are th- what unites us? Um, and so you know, when people are in love, they've actually shown that there's a lot of neurochemical activity that takes place uh, during this time, especially that early passionate time. Um, As opposed to when we're not in love. Um, When we're with resolve to interacting with relationships, um, unfortunately, aggression becomes a part. Um, You know, the conflicts are going to involve or happen in any relationship, but how do you control those? Is it verbal? Is it physical? And, you know, it's that um, we. Sometimes hard to understand why someone would remain in an abusive relationship, but there's lots of psychological reasons, uh, you know, such as cultural factors where there's an expectation you stay in that relationship, low self-esteem where you believe like you cannot do better than that, or uh, that they feel like they can't leave. Most. Adults in their 20s are single. Uh, The age of marriage has been increasing um, over the last century. Um, This can be for a variety of reasons. Um, It could be um, income, it could be job responsibilities, it could be. um, But ethnic groups can have different uh, ages of marriage too. You know, some groups tend to get married at younger ages, sometimes get married at older ages. Um, When you're single, you tend to recognize both the pluses and the minuses. There's, when you're single, you've got a lot more freedom. You've got maybe, you know, everything that you choose really is based off yourself and you have lots of opportunities and you can make choices that uh, only affect you, but when you're married, your choices affect your spouse, and uh, if there's children involved as well. Um, it's also been found that when men stay single longer, it has a greater impact on their health, but they found that it's not that, it doesn't have an impact on women. Cohabitation uh, is on the increase where people live together before they're married. Uh, most reasons people get for this that are sharing expenses. A lot of times I look at this as a trial marriage or a substitute marriage. Um, and a lot of different cultures have different views about this. The, um, um, but it's, it's been found a lot of times that, that lack of commitment that occurs in cohabitation may um, be what really separates cohabitation from a marriage. The most important factors in having stable marriages are maturity, uh, similarity, and conflict resolution skills. I've said this a few times before, is that we're all going to have conflict. How do you resolve it? Um, there, um, another theory is that each partner is contributing about equally to the marriage. Now. I don't want you to think of this as a 50-50 proposition. I'll give half, 50% to the marriage and you give 50%. No, you give 100 because we can't really depend on everyone agreeing where the 50-yard line is. We want to give yourself to that other person, love them, um, and hopefully they will uh, do that for you. Um, when you've got children, um, there tends to be a decline in uh, marital satisfaction during that time because so much effort is given to raising those children. The studies show that after the children start to leave there's usually an increase in uh, marital satisfaction. Um, Marriages are most intense during the early years and, um, and a lot of times divorce happens because couples fail to understand this, that they married this ideal person, but then they start to live with them for a while and they find that oh, they really are a sinner, just like I am. If, uh, and so it's uh, it's understanding that it uh, there's gonna be um, difficult times and being able to work through that, have that conflict resolution, and uh, to being able to also to be in a A supportive environment through your church to help you through that time. Most couples do choose to have children, um, and uh, but you know for different reasons. Um, The uh, a lot of times it depends on how involved the parents are in their families as opposed to the careers. Um, You know, children. I just mentioned having children does tend to put some put some stress on the marriage. Some child parent, uh, excuse me, couples decide that not to have children is the best thing for them. Um, there's actually had some advantages when your your first child comes along and you're a little bit uh, older than maybe um, than the typical parent. So um, you've got some experience, maybe you got a little bit maturity and and you're able to uh, understand how to handle situations that come up. Um, most cultures see the value of installing cultural values in your, you know, whether it's <clears throat> cheering for your favorite college team on Saturdays or attending your church or different activities or your holidays. It's, uh, we pass on these cultural values to our families. Um, Probably one of the toughest jobs in the world is being a single parent, um, especially if you're a woman, if you're divorced, uh, it's mainly because of the financial restrictions. Um, if you're an adoptive parent uh, or foster parent or step parent, um, there's always questions about how will the child bond with them? And um, so each of these care, you know situations have different, characteristics. A lot of it depends on the age of the child. If you know you have a child that's just an infant or a toddler and you spend most of your life with them, of course, that's going to have more time to form those bonds. If they're an older child, it may be uh, more challenging. About half of all new marriages end in divorce and the reasons for divorce include a lack of qualities that make a marriage strong and uh, you know and I've said this three or four times already but not being able to handle conflict has been seen to be probably the number one predictor of divorce um, also what society uh, allows and expects for divorce if it's uh, allowed or even encouraged you know that they their you'll be more likely to get a divorce if your environment, your society, community allows for it or feels that that's the appropriate uh, behavior. Recovery from divorce is different for men and women. Um, men tend to have a tougher time with it than women in the short run. Uh, women tend to have a more difficult time in the long run, usually for financial reasons. And, um, the um, and also the problems, especially if there's children, uh, child custody and, and things involved, that can be a major source of problems as well. Most couple divorced couples, will remarry. It's um, second marriages are especially vulnerable to stress if they're step parents. Um, but um, if you get remarried in later life, it you know, it can be a time of happiness, but if there's adult children and uh, involved, it there can be some conflict involved. All right, well that ends this lesson, and we'll see you in unit six.